Hey, thanks for checking out the Vantage Point Church podcast. We're glad you're here. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. But hey, we are wrapping up our series uh, that we've been talking about failure and how to overcome failure. And it's been an incredible message series. If you missed any of it, I wanna encourage you, you can find it uh, on our YouTube page, just church, church, you just search Vantage Point Church, uh, Plaster, you'll find it there. You'll also find it. Uh, I want you to catch up and, and uh, because it's been an awesome series. But with it, that means starting next week, we're gonna be starting a brand new message series that we're calling Break the Cycle. And uh, we're gonna be doing a study of the book of Judges. And I, I'm really getting excited about this because what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be looking at uh, the Israelites and a group of people and we see how easy it is for any one of us to find ourselves in a pattern. You know, you're going through life and whether it be in your marriage, in your relationships, in your life at work, uh, in, in your habits, we can find ourselves in a pattern and how to break out of that. So you're not gonna wanna miss it. That's starting next Sunday, <clears throat> excuse me. But today, uh, as, as we wrap things up, I wanna start off where we, uh, where we ended up last week. Let's throw up the last verse that we looked at last Sunday, 1 Peter uh, 5, verse 10. We'll have it up on the screen. And really this is more of a prayer. He's praying this when he says, but may the God of all grace, who called us according to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, meaning uh, on the other side of failure, after you've, you've gone through this failure and you've allowed it to teach you and you learn from it, he says, uh, will himself, Jesus himself will restore, establish, strengthen and settle you. And last week we talked about how Peter, how he had been through some things, he had made some, some poor choices, how he experienced failure, but Jesus came to him. Jesus himself came to Peter and he restored him and he strengthened him and, and he settled him, which is kind of an amazing thing. I mean, we probably have all seen people like that where they have gone through situations and things and, and difficulties, whether it's because of their own choices or the choices of other people. And you look at them and it's like, I can't believe that they've been through that. And now here they are on the other side and, and they have more faith, they have more hope, they're more secure, more stable, and they're settled. I mean, that, that's what happened to Peter. If you remember, uh, his name was originally Simon, which meant like pebble, you know, something small and insignificant and easily movable. But Jesus came along and said, no, now after this, I'm gonna call you Peter, which means rock, you're firm, you're established. You're settled. And so I heard it said like this, Ernest Hemingway put it like this. Let's throw this quote on the screen. He said, the world breaks everyone and afterward, some are stronger in the broken places. Afterwards, the world breaks every one of us. We all go through failure, we all experience that, but some people on the other side, they're stronger in those broken places. It's like this, have, have you ever um, owned something that was metal and it broke? You know, metal doesn't always break easily. I mean, sometimes it, it doesn't break very pretty. I mean, uh, you know, whatever it is, like it breaks and it's like twisted or maybe there's like sharp, jagged edges. And if you get too close to it, if you kind of brush up by it, like it's gonna cut you, it's gonna hurt you. And it's in its condition, it's no longer usable. So what do you do with it? Well, some people just, you know, throw it out. It's time to upgrade, get something newer, something more expensive. But then there are others that know if you take just a little bit of time and you have some know-how, you, you turn up the heat and you weld it. 
you weld it. And, and those rough edges, those, those areas um, that are sharp and jag jagged, they become smooth. And that, that metal, it becomes whole again and it's usable. And this is maybe the, the best part of the whole thing. It's amazing. And it doesn't quite, it, it doesn't seem to make sense because actually that piece of metal is now strongest in that place where it was broken. In that place where it was the most vulnerable, where it was the weakest, now it is that, it's that item, it's, its greatest strength is found where it was once broken. Because the world breaks everyone, but some are stronger in the broken places. See, that's, that's what our Heavenly Father does in our lives. We go through failure and we choose to, to say, I'm not gonna hide from it. I'm not gonna blame others. I'm gonna own up and I'm gonna respond to the Lord. He makes us stronger in those broken places and we can actually walk away being settled on the other side of failure. See, for some, maybe you're in it right now, you're, you're dealing with some failures, dealing, dealing with some difficulties. There's good news on the other side can be a settled life. And so our question is this, well, what does that look like? What, what does it look like to be settled on the other side of failure? Well, uh, we're gonna look at the example of the Apostle Paul and uh, he gives an incredible, I think it's one of the best examples of what it looks like and, and what it means to have gone through that, to experience that and be on the other side. If you remember uh, last week, as we started this series, we started out talking about the Apostle Paul. And so this morning, if, if you have a Bible handy, you can turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, and heads up, we're gonna have the verse on the screen here in a moment if you didn't bring a Bible, but we're gonna be kind of looking at the life of Paul and kind of jumping around, looking at his journey. So you might wanna write these verses down so you can review them later. But if you remember when we began this series, you said Paul is someone who, you know, he was a religious person, um, but he made some some difficult choices along his life. He persecuted the early church and actually saw people killed. He experienced a lot of failure in his life. But when he finally got to the point where he yielded to the Lord, he was able to say, you know, I will more gladly boast of my weaknesses, of my failings. Why? Because when I do, I know I get to experience the power of Jesus on me. That's what he gets, and that's what we can experience as well. So the question is this, what was it that Paul discovered on the other side of failure. What, what was it that he, that he got to, to see in a settled life? So if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Number one is this, more gratitude and less greed. More gratitude and less greed. That's what we can experience on the, on the other side of failure. I mean, before we experienced failure, a lot of times there, there was a sense of greed, the sense of, of I want what they have and, and look how far they are and, and I wish that was me. And we're constantly looking around, engaging ourselves versus other people. But listen to what the Apostle Paul has said. He says this, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He says, we, don't, we do not dare. He says, we, we don't dare. Why don't you turn to your neighbor real quick and say, don't you dare. Some of you are like, man, I've been wanting to say it for a while. You're welcome. You should come to church. Uh, that's strong language, right? That's, that's pretty forceful saying, we don't dare. Don't you dare do this. Well, what does he say? We don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. See, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, what are they? They're not wise. They're not wise. <clears throat> See, I think so much failure, or at least so many feelings that we have of failure, it comes from comparison. 
It comes from us measuring our lives up against other people's lives. We're, we're measuring our, our circumstances, our situation, our pace and progress up against what we perceive about them because, come on, let's be honest, we don't even really know. I mean, we, we, we think this is what their life is, is really like. We, we, we see what they show us. I mean, it's not just in the social media age. I mean, years ago, it'd be, you drive down the neighborhood and you have all these nice, pretty houses and all the lawns are manicured and there's white picket fences. Everything looks beautiful on the front end. There's some folks, you, you peek over their back fence, there's a junkyard going on there. And that, that like applies across the board, you know what I'm saying? And so we, we compare ourselves with those around us and it causes us to feel like we're failing. I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again. The key is, is we all have to run our own race. We all, the scripture says there's a race that's set before each and every one of us. We all have to run our own race and, and it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so many times, you know, when I was younger, I experienced this so many times, I would be impressed and I would be in awe when I look around at like peers, different people, and it looks like, well, man, look at their pace. I mean, they're so much further out ahead of me. They're doing things that I wanna do. They have what I want. Man, like, it, it doesn't seem fair. Here I am, I'm just kind of plugging along, you know, slow and steady, and wow, look at how their life is going. But you know what happens? As I've gotten older, I've seen this too many times now where I'll see people, you know, they had a fast pace, you get down the road a little bit and you realize, oh, wow, they are, there they are broken down on the side of the road. See, because here's the truth. God's not concerned with a fast start. He's after a faithful finish. God, he is less concerned with a fast start, a fast pace, how quickly we get ahead of those around us. He's concerned that we have a faithful finish, that we make it to the finish line because there are so many that don't. Come on, we know this is true. So many in their, in their marriages, they don't make it to the finish line. So many in, in their character, there's compromise. They don't make it to the finish line. Your father, he's after a faithful finish. <clears throat> and sometimes I think, you know, honestly, I think we need to realize that we're all in a race. But you know what? We're, we're not all in the same race, okay? We're not all in the same race. You may be in a tractor pull Meanwhile, your buddy is over running the, the, the Daytona 500, okay? Come on, think about it. You're, you're a diesel. God built you with torque and with a heavy-duty frame and with the ability to shoulder weight that is beyond some people, and you carry weight, and you can tow it, and you can go the long haul. Meanwhile, your friend, you know, he, he's at the, you know, he's the race car, and, and he can respond quickly, and, and he can make choices fast, fast and, and he can um, handle tight curves now, now, which one is better? Which one, which one is in the will of God, right? Both, and neither, both, right? Because that's the thing, we each have our own race. One's not better than the other. Each one is perfectly designed to run the race that God has laid out for them. But what happens is so many times we wanna jump track, you know? We wanna get off track and get out of our lane and try to run in their lane because, well, it looks like they're going somewhere. It looks like they're doing something. No, no, God has something he wants us to do. Let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter one. I said, we're gonna jump around 1 Timothy chapter one. I heard a study done recently that did a, a study of Olympians and not just Olympians, but they, they were studying champions. And so they interviewed those who had won gold, silver and bronze medals. And as they were doing this, this survey, this interview, they, they uh, came across a, kind of an interesting phenomenon. 
They were trying to find out who was more satisfied uh, with their placements. And uh, remarkably, you know, over, over time and time again, those who have won bronze medals were actually happier and more satisfied with how they had performed than those who won silver medals. Now, that doesn't seem to make sense, right? That seems like counterintuitive. And yet what, what they found was those who had won silver medals were so focused on how close they came to winning gold and they were discouraged and dissatisfied. Meanwhile, those who had won a bronze, they were, were focused on how close they had come to almost not even placing. And so they were grateful, right? On the other side of failure, there's gratitude. When we realize, well, I don't deserve any of this. On my own, in my own righteousness, I shouldn't be standing here. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't have been able to respond the way I've responded. The opportunities that I have, it's God. It's God, and I'm grateful for bronze because I ran my race. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says this. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength. This, this always gets me. That he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Man, I mean, as a pastor, that, that really hits me. But I think as everyone, as a believer, that he looked at you and he saw you as trustworthy. He appointed you to his service. He goes on to say, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I, I was shown mercy. Verse 14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. And here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. <laughs> it's not Dan. He'd say, it's me, it's Pastor Paul. I'm the worst, just the worst. He recognizes that. When he recognizes, it's amazing what God has done for me. I'm, I was the worst, and yet he saved me. And now, on the other side of failure, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the worst anymore, maybe, right? I, I'm walking with Christ. He's working in my character. He's revealing things. I fall. He helps me back up, and we keep moving. But I recognize I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I'm less, less focused on, on what you're doing and what they're doing. And I look at myself and I say, wow, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing to me. Gratitude. Number two is this. We value relationships over rush. We value relationships over rush. But let's jump ahead a little bit to 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know, before failure, so, much of, so many of us, we, we were in such a big hurry, such a rush. You know, we were afraid we we're going to miss out. Afraid, afraid it wasn't going to happen. We had these dreams and these, these goals and these things we wanted to do. We're afraid, like, like we have to make it happen. We're afraid we're going to miss out. Afraid we're going to miss the window. And it's amazing. On the other side, we realize how much of our, of our motivation, how much was it motivated, motivated by fear, right? We were so motivated, motivated by fear. We're going to miss the window, right? If, if we don't do this now, we're going to miss the window. I remember growing up, my pastor would always say, you know, why are you looking for a window in the first place? Okay, the only people that go through windows are thieves, okay? Or people who are trying to escape from something, you know, they, they jump out the window. Come on, come on, stop trying to push yourself through windows. God opens doors, right? Stop looking for a window. God opens doors. But it's fear that causes us to rush ahead Right? We want to run out in front and try to grab this thing that we want for ourselves or want for our family. And it's not a bad motivation, but what happens so many times, we rush ahead and we, we rush out of relationship. And that's where well, our failure happens many times. Failure happens 
outside of relationship. We rush ahead and we find ourselves out in front all alone. And that's a dangerous place to be. Because if you're rushing ahead, you're a hardworking person and you're, you, you probably get tired sometimes. And when you're tired, sometimes you get tempted and there's no one there to, to, to speak opposite of that voice. It's, oh, come on, it's not a big deal, right? Temptation, it's easier to fall when you're alone. Look at what the, the wisest man who ever lived said. I'm gonna throw this verse on the screen. This is uh, Ecclesiastes 4, verse nine. He says this. He says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. And I love what the, the New King James says. It says this, but woe, woe, woe is a warning. Woe is something you say if you're riding a horse. Woe, woe means slow down, pay attention to this. You gotta watch out for this. He says, but woe, woe to him who is alone when he falls for he has no one to help him up. This is, this is why we so strongly push and encourage connect groups. It's so important. We're not a church, you know, with connect groups. We're a church of connect groups because come on, I mean, this is nice. I, I like this. And I, I feel like sometimes I have, you know, a few decent things to say and this is good, but you know what? Getting in a circle where you can sit and talk and ask questions and, and share your life and ask them, okay, yeah, you're saying that, but how did that work? How did that work in your marriage? What did you do when your kids were going crazy? Okay, and you pray for one another. That's what changes lives. Okay, that's why we, why, because listen, it says this, woe to him who's alone when he falls, not if. Woe to him who's alone when, because we all fall. We all, we all make mistakes, we all stumble, we all get tempted, we all get tired and we fall. But the question is, who's there to pick you up? when you fall down. I mean, who's there to help you see what you've been tripping on so you won't trip on it again? Because so many times I, you know, keep falling in the same place and keep tripping over things. And here's the truth. We're not gonna hear it from your wife. You're not gonna hear it from your husband. We got marriage years. We don't hear it from our spouse, but, but you'll hear it from someone else. Like, like yeah, my wife was saying that, yeah. <laughs> you just, oh, you go, go to connect group, okay? Watch the kids. Sure, honey, you can go to your connect group. That'd be great. Okay, you owe it to yourself. It, it is a, a, a beneficial thing. The question is, is who is gonna be there? Who's there that will pick you up and encourage you when the pain is so great that you say, no, I, I'm just gonna sit it out, I'm just gonna stay here. Say, come on, no, I've been there before. I've experienced that pain. We can walk through this together. Look at what the apostle Paul says, 2 Timothy 4, verse nine. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he has loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica, where Sens has gone to Galatia, and Titus to, to, to Dalmatia. Uh, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you as well, for he is, he is helpful, for, helpful to me. See, this is Paul post-failure. He recognizes, I need more relationships. I need more voices. I need more people in my life encouraging me and helping me. He, it's kind of funny. He even says, hey, get Mark too. Like Mark can be helpful to me now. Mark, I kind of think like, you know, there's a whole backstory of how Mark kind of was a flake. You know, he's a flaky person. Don't elbow anybody right now. Um, and so Paul's like, nah, nah, I don't really need Mark right now. Mark did some maturing and growing. Mark is kind of like that, gall, that, that guy in Paul's connect group that was kind of, you know, a little quirky. You know what I mean? With like shared at inappropriate times. Like, what? 
Okay, Paul's like, yeah, I, I, even Mark, even Mark, grab Mark too. I could use him. I could use anybody. I need more relationships in my life. I love what the old African proverb says. Let's throw it on the screen. It says this. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Come on, we want to go the distance as a church. Come on, church, we want to go the distance. We want to have a faithful finish. How do we do that? We go together. We go together. Finally, on the other side of failure, we choose sharing over shame. We choose sharing over shame. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back at this time. Uh, last scripture, I think, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You know, recently, just a couple days ago, I had an opportunity to have a conversation uh, with a, a ministry that we support here at our church. I got to sit down with D. Bell, who's actually right over there on the side. You can wave, D. Uh, uh, a ministry called uh, Pregnancy Counseling Services here in Placerville. And men, they do incredible work. And we as a church, we're looking for more opportunities to partner with them and get involved and be a part of what they're doing. It's an amazing ministry. Uh, Dee has been, has been a part of this ministry uh, for, for most of her career. Uh, and it involves helping uh, women and, and couples and men who find themselves uh, unexpectedly pregnant. And many times it's because they don't have the family support or maybe they're, they're facing financial difficulties and, and the counselors, they do a lot of other things as well. You should talk with Dee, she'll tell you, fill you in. But, but also part of her ministry because we live in a broken world and, and we live in a real world is helping women who have had an abortion. They come and, and they, they offer um, abortion recovery studies, which are Bible studies to help women find healing and hope after an abortion. And I talked with Dean, she told me the story of how one day a woman came in to the, to the, uh, to the center and uh, she was in her 50s and uh, she's kind of hobbling along with a cane. She had some, some health problems and some chronic, chronic pain and fatigue. And I'm not even sure what, what Dee said, why she came in, uh, whether it was to volunteer to find some information, but she ended up joining one of these, these like connect groups, uh, abortion recovery connect groups. And, and it turned out that, that this lady had had an abortion several years ago, back in the 70s, this Christian lady, um, but she had never told anyone. She had just quietly carried this with her. Married, had a family involved in her church, the, the, the whole deal, but she carried this with her. Well, she joined this, this connect group and, and she began sharing and she began opening up and she experienced forgiveness and healing and hope. And, and I, I guess these groups probably ran like maybe six or eight weeks, something like that. And towards the end, Dee ran into her again. And you remember to kind of, you know, her joining this group and she saw her and, and if she wouldn't have known, she wouldn't have even believed it was the same person because there was such an incredible change. The way she'd look you in the eye was different. The way she walked was different. The, the pain, the chronic pain had diminished. The cane was gone. Why? Because she'd opened up. She'd gotten to a place where the shame had lost its power and she was able to share her story. I like what the Apostle Paul says. He puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. He says, The God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Verse 7, Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. 
And this is kind of amazing. Paul's like saying, yeah, yeah, we walked through some stuff. I, I experienced some failure and some difficult times, but God used it and he comforted me and I was able to comfort others. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, that's nice. That's, that's a sweet story. That's a, that's a nice little churchy way of responding, you know, comfort and God, God's gonna do something good with it. Um, but Paul doesn't leave it there. He doesn't leave it there where it's, it's nice and safe and, and he shares it more. Check out what he says next, verse eight. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters <clears throat> about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we even despaired of life itself. The, the great apostle Paul, He's sharing the stuff that people don't share. This is not the, well, you know, sometimes I, I lose my temper when I'm driving and I say a swear word. No, it, it's more than that. Is it possible that the apostle Paul said, I was suicidal? No, no, you, you can't say that. You just gotta read scripture. I wrote scripture, fool. <laughs> that was the youth pastor came out me a little bit, sorry. You know, is it possible? Yeah, I thought I was the only one who thought like that. I thought I was the only one who ever gotten that low. He shared that. He shared th things like, like maybe you're the person, you're, you're the lady sitting in church, or maybe you're the man that encouraged the person you were dating at the time to get an abortion. Or you had an abortion. Maybe you're the person they would say, I, I was addicted to pornography. I, I had an affair and it blew up my marriage and brought wreckage into my family. I did that, but I've never shared that. I walked through that. I, I, I went through, but I, but I never shared. I kept it to myself. See, these are the admissions. These are the admissions that scare us, that, that stop us from serving God to the full because we think, well, if, if, if they knew, if anyone really knew, if they knew what I had been through, if they knew what I've done, if they knew some of the thoughts I had or the motivation or why I really did that thing, they wouldn't want me to be in this church. They, they wouldn't want me leading a connect group or singing on this stage or, or out there greeting people if they really knew. And that's the voice of shame. It's a voice of failure. Failure wants to keep our hands tied and our mouths closed. But on the other side of failure, it's freedom. On the other side of failure, shame loses its voice. It loses its power and control over us. And we're able to comfort others with the comfort we have received. Now you might say, well, <laughs> no, no, no. You know, that sounds all nice and good, Pastor, but... There was no one there to comfort me. Yeah, I went to God, but I got through this all on my own. There was, there was no comfort for me. I had to do this by myself. Well, let me ask you then, what if you wouldn't have had to? What, do, do you think it would have made a difference if someone would have opened up and shared their story? Say, yeah, I know, I, I experienced pain like that. This is what I did. These are some of my mistakes, some of, of my failures. Do you think that would have made a difference? But let me tell you how God gave me what I deserved the least when I needed it the most. Imagine if we could be a church like that, where we could say along with the apostle Paul, Jesus came to save sinners and I should know because I'm the worst. 
I'm the worst. I was the worst, but Jesus came and he saved me. But it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning. On the other side of this, after he said that, one last, listen to what he says. First Timothy one, verse 16, after he said, he says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience. Gosh, he would, he would display his immense patience when he dealt with my life, when he dealt with my baggage and my mistakes and my bullheadedness and, and I know what I'm doing, I'm just gonna keep going and I'm not gonna listen to you friend, I'm not gonna listen to you sister, I'm just gonna keep going. His immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. See, because on the other side of failure, on the other side of failure, it's not about our shame. It's always been about his salvation. It's not about our shame. Shame wants, to, to, wants us to have gone through failure and difficult times and hurts and just keep our mouths shut and, and, and stay quiet and, and don't let anyone know. But here's the thing, that, that I there, there are five people in this room who are probably dealing with the same thing that you went through. And they're wondering, uh, what am I gonna do? What if somebody finds out? Come on, God wants to use what you've been through. He wants to use it. He wants to, to crush that shame. And when we say on the other side, I'm gonna share, right? I'm gonna share and it's gonna result in salvation because if God could do it for me, if God could do it for my messed up family, my messed up situation, he could do it for anyone because come on, come on. Remember, I'm the worst of sinners. I'm the worst of sinners. But I'm, I'm done looking at, at everyone else around me. I look up and I'm so grateful what God has done for me. Because it's not about me. It's not about how bad I was or what I've done. It's about how good my God is. And I'm gonna share that. I've got something to share. I've got something to sing. We've got something to say. Let's pray. Father God, I recognize that this is, uh, this is easier to talk about. Um, but Lord, we recognize this is something that you want for us. God, you want to continue to work miracles. God, you want, th th there's a whole other world on the other side of failure. God, you want to take that pain and that heartache and use it for something good. God, I pray you would speak to our hearts this morning as we respond. As we're praying this morning, what area is God speaking to your heart? For some, God's stirring gratitude in you. He's reminding you of, of where you're at and where you've come from and what you're doing and, and even what he protected you from along the way. Some of you are honest, you know, I shouldn't even be alive. <laughs> I shouldn't be alive. We shouldn't be married. I shouldn't have kids. None of these things should have happened. But the grace of God, I'm so grateful. And maybe what God's speaking in your heart, you need to do is begin starting your day with, with just writing down two or three things that you're grateful for in your life. You recognize God, God gave me this. God gave me, he, he did that. I'm grateful. And then you end your day thinking of two or three things that God did that day. And you say, thank you cultivate a heart of gratitude over greed. Others, God's saying, you know what? You need more relationships. I want to encourage you to look into our connect groups. We'll have the, the number on the screen here in a little, little bit. And as we close the service, we'll have those numbers up again. We'll see what, I've been in Bible studies. I've been in connect groups before, you know. You know, it was not a good experience or it was kind of gossipy. Well, I'm guessing we probably all ate at bad restaurants before too, but we we still go to restaurants. Well, we will. Um, we've all had a bad haircut. You still get your haircut. 
Come on, don't, don't let what's happened in the past stop you. God wants to do something in your life. And, and we're working in our connect group system to make sure that we respond to you more quickly. We're fixing those, those glitches. But come on, let's lean into what God has for us. But for many, I believe God would say, it's time to share your story. It's, it's time to share your story. Maybe not with everyone, but with someone. It, maybe even right now, God's putting, putting the image of someone in your mind. He wants you to share what you've been through because He knows it's going to make a difference in their life. Because here's the thing, sharing silences the shame and it gives purpose to the pain. So those seasons of heartache, they weren't for nothing. What was meant for evil, God will use for good as we start sharing our story. As we're praying this morning though, maybe you're, you're listening to my voice and you know what? You're like that, that woman who met with Dee. You've been carrying your pain and your failure for years. It's been weighing you down in ways you don't even, you don't even know. It's amazing. We carry shame, we carry regret and pain and it may be, it may be affecting us physically. It could be affecting us relationally. It could be affecting our lives in, in, in ways we're not even aware of. And yet Jesus says, Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and carrying a heavy burden, and I'll give you rest. And maybe you're hearing my voice today and you've, you've never accepted that offer. Now, I've got it. Or maybe you're one of those, those people, you, you come to church and you put the bags on the floor for a moment, you raise your hands, you, you hear the message, you kind of feel some tingly things in your heart, but you walk out with the bag. I've, I've got this. And you carry it again all week. It breaks your father's heart. It breaks his heart. And he says, come on, would you, would you lay it down once and for all and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need your peace. I just, I'm gonna give you an opportunity like we do every single week. And maybe, maybe today is the day of salvation for you. You say, God, I need you. So with everyone's eyes closed, if that's you, if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, we just raise your, I'm not gonna, not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wonder who I'm praying for. You begin a relationship with Jesus. Just raise your hand and put it down. There in the back, God bless you. And to begin a relationship with Jesus, give you a moment. You feel like there's like a tug of war going on in your heart. That, that is the Holy Spirit saying, come on, let's do this. Don't wait till tomorrow for what you can do today. Today is a day of salvation. Well, here's the thing, even if you didn't raise your hand, we're gonna, we're gonna pray together. If it's the intention of your heart, it's not a magic formula, but what it is, you're, you're inviting God to be working in your life. And a vantage point, no one prays alone. I invite the entire congregation, would you pray this prayer along with me? Make it your own. Father God, I give you my life. I'm sorry for going my own way, for choices that have hurt me and choices that have hurt you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins, to give me forgiveness, hope, and new life. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vantage Point Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more episodes. If you love it, you can rate the podcast and share it with your friends. We love you and hope you join us again next week.